Our scripture reading today is from Acts chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, and verses 22 to 29. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Then the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders, with the whole church, to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabas, and Silas, leading men, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that person, some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, Although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements that you would abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's uh, good to be back at Grace West and to fellowship with you here today. It's been a long time since I last was here when you were at St. Helens. And uh, I I imagine that uh, some of you uh, are surprised that I am still alive. (laughs) And 
possibly after this message, wish I weren't. But um, it is really good to be here, and I trust that uh, this will be a blessing for you and uh, certainly a blessing for me fellowshipping here with you in the presence of our God. Now, with the murder of Stephen uh, at the hand of the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church was scattered, moving down into Samaria, or moving down, as they would say, into Samaria, and over to Phoenicia, and over to, and up to Cyprus, uh, to uh, Cyprus, and eventually arriving, some of them, at Antioch, the great city of Antioch. And up to this point, the scattered church had been preaching, the Jews were preaching only to Jews, the good news concerning Jesus. But uh, some men from uh, Cyprus and Cyrene, uh, who had arrived in Antioch, decided to preach the gospel concerning the crucified and resurrected Jesus Christ uh, to Gentiles. And there was a great response. Gentiles responded in faith, embracing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And a church, the first church in one sense, uh, that was established, a church of both consisting of both Jews and Gentiles, was established. A flourishing church, a missional church, for it was this church that sent Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey to take Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected, to the Mediterranean world. Now one day, seemingly, uh, seemingly out of the blue, the peace of the Antiochian church was disrupted for men uh, from Judea came down and began preaching or teaching in the Antiochian church that you must be circumcised in order to be saved according to the custom of Moses. You must be circumcised according to the custom of Moses. That is, they would be focusing on the law of Moses as it related to things unclean and clean and dietary laws, etc. They were teaching you must be circumcised according to the law of Moses in order to believe. Now these men from Judea were Jews who had come to acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and had put their faith in him as their savior. However, they insisted, they insisted with great energy that faith was not enough for salvation, that you must believe and be circumcised in order to be saved. And as a result of their teaching, a very intense debate took place in the church at Antioch between Paul and Barnabas and these men from Judea. And after a time, it was decided that they would send Paul and Barnabas, along with some others, 
to the mother church in Jerusalem for guidance and for a decision. And as they traveled the 400-kilometer journey to Jerusalem, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria. And as they traveled, they reported in great detail concerning the conversion of the Gentiles to the Jewish Christians in these areas. And there was great joy amongst the Jewish Christians in these areas. And here we see that you mean, this gave indication that the Gentile mission, and in particular the teaching and preaching of Paul and Barnabas, was widely supported and rejoiced in. Now, they finally arrived at Jerusalem. And there they met with the apostles and the elders and from some other members of the Jerusalem church. And uh, as, they were, as they were describing what God had done through them, as they described their preaching, both to Jews and Gentiles, there were some, uh, uh, there were some believers, uh, Jewish believers, uh, who got up and uh, said that uh, Gentiles must be circumcised according to the law of Moses, focusing on those regulations in the law concerning clean and unclean. They must be circumcised. The point being that they must be circumcised in order to believe. They were the same men or similar of men of similar nature and belief as those who had come down from Judea. That salvation, in order to be experienced fully, must be a matter of faith and circumcision. And again, a great debate ensued in the Jerusalem consultation. And I would imagine that as they discussed the matter of how Gentiles were to be saved... They also must have been discussing the nature of the salvation that Jesus Christ had accomplished and that the believer experiences, for the two are closely interrelated. And as Peter listened to this great debate, uh, he was reminded of a situation that had taken place about 10 years earlier in Jerusalem where by way of a vision and by way of direct revelation from the Holy Spirit, he was sent to the Gentile Cornelius and his household to preach the word of the gospel, to preach the gospel. And as he was preaching, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God fell upon them and they were speaking in tongues and praising God as as Peter had done and others on the day of Pentecost. And after a time, Peter got up and began to speak. And he said, brothers, you are aware that in the early stages of the Jerusalem church, 
I was chosen. I was chosen to preach the word of the gospel to the Gentiles that they might hear and believe. And God bore witness to them. That is, he testified that they testified that they belonged to the people of God, that they belonged to the church of Jesus Christ. He bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he had done to we Jews. He made no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, for he had cleansed cleansed their hearts. That is, he had forgiven their hearts. He had cleansed and forgiven their hearts by faith. By faith. And then he drove home his point in a very dramatic moment when he turned to those men from the party party of the Pharisees who had insisted that Gentiles must be circumcised to be saved. And he said to them, why are you testing God? That is testing God as they had, as the Jews had had in the wilderness. Why are you provoking him to anger by imposing upon them this unbearable yoke of circumcision? And then in verse 11, he summarized, which is better in, the, in a literal rendering Verse 11 is better in a little literal rendering. For verse 11 in the literal begins with, For by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in order to be saved. According to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we, Peter says, we believe in order to be saved, saved completely and entirely by faith. Now in that statement, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in order to be saved, Peter made clear that our salvation from beginning to end is an undeserved gift. And in that statement that we must, uh, in that statement, According to, the Lord Je- according to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in order to be saved, he was making clear that it is not our faith that saves us. It's not something we do in relation to the gospel. That although faith is absolutely necessary for salvation... It doesn't save us, but faith rather is the means that joins us to Jesus Christ and united to Jesus Christ. We receive and experience the salvation that he has accomplished in his death and resurrection. Now... It's interesting, at least noteworthy to me, that as Peter describes and insists how Gentiles are to be saved, he at the same time addresses 
the nature of the salvation that Jesus Christ has accomplished. It makes clear that it is by faith that we are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. And it is by faith in Jesus Christ that we receive the Holy Spirit. The two are inseparable. If by faith you are forgiven, you have received the Holy Spirit. And if by faith in Christ you have received the Spirit, you have been, for, uh, you have been forgiven. You cannot have one without the other. The two are absolutely inseparated, uh, inseparable. To believe in Jesus Christ is to be forgiven and to be indwelt by the empowering Holy Spirit of God. Now, the decision at the consultation in Jerusalem was of pivotal significance in the history of the church. For that decision in Jerusalem defined what a Christian is. That decision defined what a Christian's identity is. That decision in Jerusalem made clear as to how you and I are to view ourselves as we wake up in the morning into a new week. That united to Jesus Christ by faith, we are forgiven. Your past sins, your present sins, your future sins are washed away. And the living God, the Lord God, is 100% committed to you. Committed to bless you, to work all things to your ultimate good. To that in all his ways with you, his purposes are good. And that uh, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. You start your day with that, but not, all, not only with that. That as a united to Jesus Christ, you have, are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are in, in Jesus Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation, a new man, a new woman, empowered by the Holy Spirit to move forward into the week, living a new life. A life of love, of service, of blessing, of honoring God. Of advancing the cause of Christ. Of good works. For yes it is true according to Peter. That it is by faith alone that you are saved. But it is not a faith that is alone. It is always. Empowered by the spirit of God. A hard working faith. To the glory of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Now, the 
decision at Jerusalem was, a, was also pivotal in the history of the church because it made clear that God's purpose for the church was that it, the church was to be diversified. It was to consist of Jews and Gentiles. But it was not only to be diversified racially. It was to be diversified in all manner of ways, in all kinds of ways. The church is to be a body where there are significant differences. All kinds of differences that have a tendency to separate and a tendency to alienate, and a tendency to divide. Sorry. Not used to this. And establish, and the church, of course, is to be diversified in all kinds of ways, at its universal level but also at its local level, this church, and is seeking to establish a diversified church with all kinds of people, from all kinds of backgrounds, from all kinds of stations in life, from all kinds of colors, is not an easy thing to do. It is an extremely difficult thing to do. And so it is in reliance on the Holy Spirit and in the love of Jesus Christ We must work hard at caring for one another, reaching out to one another in a fellowship of love and oneness. So that each and all of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, in all of their distinct differences, have a sense of belonging. One of the great marks of the gospel work in the church of Jesus Christ is a wonderful thing that all kinds of people in a particular church sense and feel and rejoice that they too, in spite of who they are, belong. Well, the decision that was made at, finally made at the consultation in Jerusalem was to draft a letter and send it to the churches in church in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. And they would give this letter to two men that they appointed, Silas and Judas. And they were to go back to Antioch with uh, Paul and Peter, Paul and Barnabas, and to deliver this letter personally. And I would imagine they would go there to clarify it and answer questions and so forth. Now this letter that they drafted and sent to the church, to the Gentiles in Antioch, had four items Four requirements. 
that the Gentiles were required to abstain from that which was sacrificed to idols, to abstain from blood, to abstain from that which had been, uh, to abstain from uh, that which was strangled, and to abstain from sexual immorality. Now, this letter, this decision, has been uh, intensely debated and uh, has puzzled, and is a very challenging. To, it's challenging to know how to understand it. And there are a number of viewpoints as to what it was directed to. It seems that those who drafted it and those who would uh, uh, receive it uh, would uh, it would be clear to them. Uh, they were we are we don't have the context uh, to really understand what might be concerned there. Now, there are a number of viewpoints, but in order to save time, I will uh, suggest to you and propose to you uh, uh, the uh, a viewpoint uh, that I prefer, acknowledging that there are other viewpoints. And if you want to follow that up, you can do so in the question and answered or following the service. The letter was asking the Gentiles to abstain from idolatry. This letter was asking them to abstain from participation in the worship of idols. That's the key issue here. Abstain from the worship of idols. Now in the world of that time, in that areas, those areas in the Mediterranean world, the worship, inv- the worship of idols involved uh, offering, uh, offering uh, 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 food, uh, a sacrificial offering of food to the idol. Offering a sacrificial offering of food. Food would be sacrificed in some sense or other and offered to the idol as they worshipped. And then after then, it would be followed by a meal in which the worshipers would participate. And in that meal, they would continue to worship the idol by eating the offering that had been devoted to the idol. And it seems that at times accompanying the meal, the idol-worshipping meal, that there at times would be sexual immorality. Most likely and probably sexual immorality involving temple prostitutes. It's along those lines that I would propose that the uh, Gentiles were to, uh, to act. They were to, as Paul would say, flee idolatry in 1 Corinthians 10. And so, that will bring us to a conclusion of our discussion of that consultation in Jerusalem. Salvation.
is by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. It is a hard-working faith. And it is not by faith alone and is a hard-working faith because in Jesus Christ you have not only been forgiven, but you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a new life of hard work in the service of Jesus Christ. Amen.